Let us pray. We bow before you. That's why we came. We came to this place because we believe in God. We came to this place because we want to hear more about you. We came to this place because we know that you are the one that gives meaning and sense to this life. We came to this place because when we look at this world, we know there is no other option or answer except within you and your word, your presence. We came to meet with you. We know that your Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us and to help us. The Holy Spirit that helped Paul to write these words is with us in this building today. Oh, Spirit, move, touch, guide. Let God do His work through your Spirit in us today. I ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So many years ago, it was in the 80s. It's like the BC time for me, before computers, before cell phones, and before children. <laughs> I was sitting in a, in a psychology class. I was doing my master's in psychology, and um, we were talking about changing behavior. And the professor said, well, there are all these different options and techniques, psychotherapies that you can use to help to change behavior. And he went through psychoanalysis, that sort of Freud stuff, and then, you know, Aldir, Adlerian, or Adler was the guy, his therapy, Gestalt, that's a more German thing, analytical, rational, emotive. All of these different therapies out there, and I think we had a list of 11 to 13 therapies. I, I, I look now, there's 160. I do not know what happened in this world that they now need 160 different therapies to help people with their behavior issues. But what the professor said, and that was very interesting, is he said, you guys need to know if you want to be involved in the lives of people and help to change behavior, it's going to be very difficult. We know that behavior is sometimes the most destructive thing for people in their own personal lives. Now, I've seen a lot of people in my life that cause themselves a lot of harm with destructive behavior. But we also know that people's behavior can cause so much harm and pain to people around them in so many different ways. How do you change that behavior pattern? Because that pattern is many times instilled from the moment that you start to sort of grab onto life, you know, and it's nature and nurture and all the things that happens with you. And this professor said, remember now, guys and girls, it's going to be hard, a lot of hard work and hopefully you will have some success. When it was done, I put up my hand. I said, you presented to us 13, 14 different therapies that um, will help to change behavior, but there's one more. I said, and that's when somebody gives their life to Christ. Now, luckily, it was in the 80s in South Africa. And South Africa was sort of a Christian cultured country. It was accepted that I said this. And they eventually started a conversation about this. And they said to me, well, I, why do you say this? I said, well, I'm already a pastor in the church. I said, and I've seen this. I've seen this in my own extended family. Uh, we've got someone in our family that had very harmful behavior, not only to himself, but also to people around him. Actually, at some point, there was a huge alcohol problem in this person's life. Then he went on a retreat, a men's retreat. 
gone for three days, two days, came back, his whole behavior pattern changed. Never drank for the last 18 years. Maybe it's a little bit longer. Didn't touch a single drop of alcohol. He went back to his wife and he started to apologize and his children and even to us, as Luis and my wife, uh, Luis, my wife, and I, for things that he said and done in the time that we have known this person. His behavior changed like this two days because of a connection that he made with Christ Jesus. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So we had a conversation about this a little bit in a psychology class, and at least the people were mostly Christian. And it all went well. I think if I would do it today, <laughs> they would probably cast me out, stone me outside. Oh, how can you say this? We are continuing with my series on the marks of the church. This is what we find here in the book of Colossians, where Paul writes to this congregation, and who is the church? We are the church. He says, these are the things that's part of a Christian or the church's life. We are people that pray. We are people of faith. We are people that love in a biblical way. We are people with hope. We are people that follow the true message of the gospel. I spoke about truth and what this means last week. And then Paul comes and he says, we are people that grow, that bears fruits. And let us, let us read what Paul says. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourself from the day that you heard it and truly comprehended it. The grace of God. Tertullian was one of the early church fathers. You had the apostles, then you had the apostolic fathers, those were the people that knew the apostles. Then you had the church fathers, those are the people that knew the apostolic fathers. So very close line to Christ Jesus. He lived from 155 to 220 AD. He said the following, we are but of yesterday, meaning we are just here for a few days, a few years. And yet we have filled all the places that belong to you, cities, islands, forts, towns, exchanges, the military camps themselves, tribes, town councils, the palace, the senate, the marketplace. We have left you nothing but your temples. The earliest church. People say they think at this point there were between 500,000 to maybe 700,000 Christians in the Roman Empire, in the area that Paul is writing his letter to. We're not talking about really Jerusalem and Israel. We are talking about the Roman Empire area that's more sort of towards Rome and where Greece is now and Turkey and those places. Within 120 years after Christ died and rose from the dead, more than 700 or 500,000 Christians in the Roman Empire the Roman Empire was a very interesting empire. They had all these different gods, and they had to worship the, the emperor. And if you didn't worship the emperor, you could be killed. They had a terrible lifestyle. They had no respect for life whatsoever, because if you were a Roman citizen, you could do with people whatever they want you wanted to if they were not Romans. Paul is writing this letter to Romans. 
Those were the pagans that came to Christ. As they were part of the Roman culture and the Roman outlook to life, they could treat slaves, people that were not Roman citizens, the way they wanted to. They could kill them. They could do whatever they wanted. They threw their children away if they wanted. There was a letter written by a Roman soldier that was picked up, and they found this thing where he said to his wife, if the baby is born and it's a girl, throw her on the ash heap. If it's a boy, keep it. Morally, ethically, terrible. They were all hedonists. It was all about themselves and what they wanted to do and what worked for them. They, they were just short-term gratification, and that's what life was all about. Women, no place. Almost whatsoever. A man can do with, could do with his wife whatever he pleased, because they were almost seen as on the same level as a slave. Now Paul comes, and he says, you guys need to bear fruit in this culture. These guys that Paul wrote this letter to bear bore so much fruit that 70, 80 years later, 500,000 plus people belong to Christ. What did they do? What changed them? They got to know a personal God. You see, that's the difference. You see, you sit in church today with me or you watch online and there are two options for all of us. You can see God as something somewhere or you can see God as someone that's here. Not there, but actually here. And when I greet you in His name, I actually believe with all my heart that the only holy living God is with us in this place. I can see Jesus next to me. Jesus is here. And His Spirit is here. And His Father is here. And the moment when you understand this and you meet a personal God, then something starts to change because now you're entering into a relationship with Him. How can you stay the same? Except for Jesus. Do you know who changed my life the most? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> she helps me every day still. All of us, when you get married, isn't it true your life changes because you've got now a spouse that you need to accommodate that's part of the world that you are in and they sort of direct you. And guess who else changed my life a lot when those children came? It was not BC before children. It was now with children. BC, with children, that we are trying to live. And the moment when you have children, now suddenly your life even changed a little bit more. How many guys do you know, especially boys, that were a little bit wild, Parents concerned about their boy that's sort of a little bit wild. And then he meets this really great girl. Then his life starts to come together. Also in our extended family, we had one of these. He was a bit wild. And then he met this girl. And he started to study. And he went to, went to university and got a great degree and, and started to build an amazing life with her. And we all knew it was the influence of this girl in his life. Now, how can I stay the same if I get to know the only holy living God? It's impossible. It's just impossible. And that's what happened with these people. And then they started to understand the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? The good news about Jesus, that's what the word gospel means, is that God cares so much for me that He sent His Son to die on the cross. Oh, it sounds so normal and so simple, and we're so used to that expression. Jesus died for me on the cross. Think for a moment, as we're now entering the season of Lent almost, what does it mean? For me, it means that when Christ was hanging on that cross, bleeding, dying of thirst, with this crown of thorns on his head, and they were poking fun at him, and he knew he was going to die with nails through his hands and feet, his dad said to him, 
Are you dying for 30 also? And Jesus said, for him also. And he mentioned maybe everybody's name to his son on the cross. How can you stay the same? That's what the gospel's, gospel is all about. That's what the people heard in the old, well, now and during that time. Then they allowed God to be part of their life and actually to, to be the God that he is. And that's to me the most amazing story that God is God. <laughs> he created the universe. He created the heavens and the earth. And, and I'm now reading a book about you know time and about space and about gravity. And I'm reading another book about the cosmos. It's, if you read all of these things, I'm astounded by what's out there and what's inside this atoms and stuff. And how God made it. And he has time for me and for you. And my stupidity. And my acts of ungracefulness and unkindness and, and, and forgetting about him. This God comes and he says, I am God. Will you allow me to be God? Isn't it crazy that God would do this? And then the irresponse, the fifth one. When we were unable to help ourselves, at the moment of our need, Christ died for us, although we were living against God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Luis, what do you want me to do that we will have a great relationship, that you are okay with me? Ferdy, sometimes just hear me and try to do the things that I'm asking of you. That's in a normal relationship. God has the same right, isn't it? To ask us on behalf of all that He's done for us and who He is, to ask of us to be obedient to what He's asking of what He wants us to do. I need to get done here. So what does it mean to apply your faith? That's what the Christians did. And you'll find this in, 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 in Antioch in Acts 11. The disciples were called Christians, the first in Antioch. The influence of Christ Jesus started to spread through the communities. Why? Because the people had a desire to communicate with God and to pray. That's where it all starts. It starts with prayer because the moment when you pray, you actually are making God real. Uh, 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 at our session meeting on Tuesday night and at the deacons meeting, we talked a lot about prayer because we always had our prayer team stand up here and they will stand again here today after. Mike, you're going to stand here. Luis, you're going to stand here. So if you fill, up these, fill out these blue cards and these pink cards, blue cards are what you need prayer for and pink cards what the Lord answered in your life. That's all the prayers we've received through a number of years. A team will pray for you because we believe that the only holy living God will hear our prayers. The moment when you pray personally or collectively or for someone else or for the congregation, God becomes real because you're talking to someone. The least, the worst thing in any relationship is non-communication. Stop talking to God and God will disappear for you. Start talking to God and He comes so close you cannot not see Him every day. They started to seek His will and His word. They couldn't wait for Paul's letters to arrive. They kept it like gold. And they rewrote it and they would send it on and they would keep it because that was 
their connection to Christ Jesus because Paul saw Jesus. And they knew that God was talking, talking through Paul to them. They couldn't let go. They read these letters over and over again and waited for another one. Don't disregard the Word of God. If He's real, allow Him to speak. That's how He speaks. And then through sermons and other things. They had a new outlook on life. They didn't look, like, look at life like the Romans did anymore. They looked at life the way that God wanted them to look at life. They saw for the first time how men would treat their wives, how people would treat their slaves, how slaves would be run down. They saw how morally corrupt people were and how little happiness they had and joy they had. And then a whole way of looking at life started to change. And when they had this new way of life, other people said, but what makes you different? They said, because we believe in Jesus. Their behavior started to change because they had a desire to please God and to live a life of gratitude. And they started to talk about Jesus for who they were. But this can only happen. It's my second last slide, I think. Let me check. Oh, yeah. yeah. This can only happen when you are planted in Jesus. I've got this thing there in my office, a little plant that I sadly neglected. And now it's not looking well. So I gave it a lot of water last week, so maybe this thing will resurrect itself, I hope. But if I would pull that thing out, it will die immediately. If I'm not planted in Christ, I don't allow the water of the Spirit to flow in me and through me. I might look at that really sad plant in my office. Not doing that well. Christ says, just stay rooted in me, in my word, in my presence. And do you know what? You can change your relationships. You can change the world that you live in because my Holy Spirit is with you. You're not doing it on your own. If you open yourself up to me, my spirit will move in a mighty way through you and through the people around you. Because God wants us to have an okay life. God wants us in the midst of this corrupt and broken world to experience something of heaven, a taste of heaven. And our behavior can change to the better. Not only for ourselves, but for others. Now, I need to say this. I'm a therapist in a sense. I see a lot of people in my office and I apply a lot of these techniques that I showed you on that screen. I use a number of those when I work with people and I introduce them to Jesus. So the fact that you believe in Jesus doesn't always mean that everything is now fixed. There are so many and so much brokenness in people that you sometimes need to use these tools that the Lord has given us to help someone. So going to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor is fantastic. Go! But start with Jesus. Start there. The base, the foundation of who you are, of the meaning of life, of the sense of this world, of the direction of your life, of the meaning of life, because in Christ you will discover that there's a God that defines you and not the world, not the world, and not the people that have caused you so much harm. The only holy living God gives you the value that you have. And you, know, you will not know how much of that makes a difference for people when they feel so broken down and so beat down. 
How does it start? That's the slide I had in the beginning when I started my, my sermon today. That's the slide I had. It always starts with prayer, isn't it? When I came here many years ago, we invited a guy and we had a prayer school at our church for 10 weeks. And we started to really focus on prayer. This congregation was a little bit in trouble when I came 21, 22 years ago. And then things started to become better. Not because of me, nothing with me. Because the church started to pray. Our country is not doing that well. Our neighborhoods are not doing that well. The people around us are not doing that well. Our church is doing okay. But what we should do in 2022 is to start to pray. Seriously. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the people around you that sometimes irritate you so much. They park, you can't get your car out, and they mow their lawn on a Sunday afternoon at 5 when you sit outside or whatever. They are, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for the leaders that you don't like. Pray for our country. And then start to live like someone that knows Jesus. And God can still change the world that he did in the earliest times. In your office, school, where you play, where you gym. May your life, your word, no, your prayer, bring the change that God wants to bring and he will because he's God. Amen.